Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. God led me to a familiar passage in John chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. The fourth gospel, the Johannine gospel. I will be reading from the NIV. It reads, sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew Simon, Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? You know, I want to focus uh, the preaching today certainly in the larger context of the Word of God, but particularly in verse 9 of this text. This part of the passage uh, has just uh, clamored uh, for my attention, has cried out during the week to me to say something about it. And so I want to lift this thought today as we look at this passage. A major note in a minor key. A major note in a minor key. It is the midpoint of Jesus's ministry. He has sent the 12 out on mission and they have returned. In this gospel, his popularity is blossoming and crowds are continually teeming around him. They are pressing upon him to hear what he has to say and to see him. This particular event, the feeding of the 5,000, and you do know, Bible students, that it wasn't just 5,000. Only the men were counted. Only the men were tabulated. But this feeding of 5,000 men, not counting women and children, it is the one miracle in the Gospels that all four Gospel writers Record. One cannot read the Gospels and not see uh, the regularity, the redundancy, uh, the reemphasizing of this 
miracle. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all record the feeding of the 5,000. In light of this alone, I think none of us would disagree that this miracle is a critical part of the gospel presentation of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And what I want to suggest to you today is that if it was in fact a musical score, if it was a musical score, if we could, if we could look at the gospel at this particular miracle as a musical score, this passage and its parallel passages would undoubtedly be a major note. But what I want to do and clarify today is that it is a major note that is set in a minor key. You know, each of the Gospels report that it was a lad or a child, a minor, if you will, whose lunch was the basis of a miraculous meal that the Lord will provide to the masses of the people. The word translated boy in the NIV, lad in the King James Version, is used consistently in the word of God to describe a young child. So obviously, I don't have to make a strong case for this, obviously a minor is in view. And I believe, and I've had much time to pray about this, that with this young boy as his focal point, could it not be that Jesus is trying to teach us something about the worth and the wealth of our children? With our children and our youth present today, I want to tell you that as it relates to ministry, our children and our youth are major notes set in a minor key. You know, when Jesus described what heaven is like, he didn't use an adult. It was children sitting in front of him, and then he looked at them, and he looked at their parents, and he looked at his disciples. He said, suffer the little children to come unto me, for of such, of such, Mark 10 and 14, of such is the kingdom of heaven. I find it remarkable, considering who God is, that he chose to be born as a baby in Bethlehem. There's any number of ways. He could have fixed it. Could have orchestrated prophecy so he could have come some other way. But I believe it's significant that during the Christmas season we worship and give adoration to the Christ child. He was born as a child. He grew up through childhood, adolescence, and teenage years, and young adults, and became a man. And Jesus knows what you're going through. That's the point I'm making. And so you too can come boldly to the throne of grace. Because he knows the struggles through all the stages of life. You too can come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy and help in time of need. And when I thought about children being major notes, as this young boy, this lad is in this text in a minor key, three things in verse 9 jumped out at me. 
How, in fact, was he a major note and a minor key? Three things, and I'm through. The first thing is he was present. He was present. You know, sometimes in reading scripture, we obscure and ignore the obvious. The King James Version says, there's a lad here. The NIV says, here is a boy. Now, the sentence could be grammatically and syntactically sound without here. But it's a point being made that the young man was present. He was present. He was available. He was at hand. He was in attendance. He was nearby. And to Andrew's credit, he did not overlook him. He did not disregard him. He did not ignore him. And and my sense about it as I pray through this passage is that there was perhaps something that got Andrew's attention about this boy long before he became aware of the fact or discovered that he was the possessor of a meager meal. He was present. And Andrew could not ignore him. The presence of this child the presence of this young boy is set in the context of nagging patent insufficiency. If you read the larger passage, Philip's response, when the Lord said, feed these folk, Philip's response was 200 penny worth in the NIV version, eight months labor or wages of labor is not enough. Philip's response was one-dimensional. For what I'm telling you today is... Our greatest resources cannot be calculated in terms of dollars and cents. Our greatest resources cannot be looked at in terms of buildings and land, furnitures and fixtures, but our greatest resources are the people here. And what I'm suggesting strongly is our children and our youth. He said 200 penny worth. Eight months labor is not enough. And so the point I'm making, the first point in the text is, this lad was present. He was present, but when I go back to verse 9, I see something else. He was prudent. In the second instance, I believe you would agree with me that he was prudent or practical or wise. C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, has an excellent chapter on the seven virtues that he says has been at the heart of the church's life and ministry for centuries. And he says there are four cardinal virtues and three Christian virtues. Of the four cardinal virtues, the first one is prudence. The other ones are temperance, justice, and fortitude. The three Christian virtues are faith, hope, and love. But C.S. Lewis defines prudence as practical common sense taking the time to think out what you're doing and what's likely to come out of it. Prudent. When kids know to come to Bible study and they don't have to be driven, that's prudence. I have always marveled at the simplicity of kids. Unlike adults, they have the ability to cut through all the stuff cut through all of it and get to the heart of the matter. Kind of like a little girl who's talking to her teacher 
about whales. And this little girl, she's a Christian. Teacher was not. The teacher said, it's physically impossible for a whale to swallow a human being. Even though it's a large mammal, his mouth is too small. Little girl stated, the Bible says that Jonah will swallow my whale. And she went on to say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah. The teacher said, so what if Jonah's in hell? The child said, you ask him. You have to admit, this young man was prudent. Prudent because he came prepared. It's apparent that in this massive crowd, this is the only person you can deduce it quite easily that thought to bring a meal. I mean, if you don't want to argue that, at best you have to say there was someone at home who encouraged him to bring a meal. You know, the Bible, in the other passages in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John doesn't do this, but in these other three Gospels, it's very definitely stated that they came to a desert place. Uh, the word for desert in the Bible is wilderness, a place of desolation, a place of remoteness. This young man brought food. And when you go out to a desolate place, when you go out to a wilderness place, you have to carry some food. And what I want to say today is that this world is a wilderness. Life can be a wilderness. And what we must do is send our children out with lunch. See, academics is not enough. You can be smart and dumb at the same time. Because the Bible says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. How high you score on the ACT or the SAT is not the ultimate arbiter of your wisdom. It starts with the fear of the Lord. You can have facts with no faith. And there will come a time when the facts won't carry you. You can complete complicated algebraic logarithms but the facts won't take you comes a time when you have to have faith he brought lunch he was prudent when our teens and tweens were asked recently what do they need to understand about the times in which they live how will they know what to do they said we need to know more about what the bible says about homosexuality, premarital sex, masturbation, abortion, different religions, devil worship, sexism, racism, and life support for the severely ill. We need information so when our friends in school who don't believe as we do come at us, we need to be able to respond. They didn't say, when we're going to go to Six Flags? young people say, we want to be more grounded in the word of God. So we'll be able 
to make a difference in the lives of those whom the Lord brings us in touch with. He was prudent. He was present, but he was also productive. In the third instance, in our text, this young man was productive. He was willing to give of himself and to do what he had to do in order to make a difference. Now, you read it for yourself, but there is no racket in the passage where his meal was confiscated, it was seized, it was commandeered, it was apprehended, it was impounded. You get the feeling that when he was asked, he gave it up. Perhaps he said, you know, I'm here in this wilderness. I'm here in this desolate place because I've heard about this man. I've heard about his miracles. I've heard his messages. And I believe he can do more with this meal than I can. Young and old today, if you want to know the key to blessing and to prosperity, let me tell you what it is. If you want to be productive, if you want to be profitable, if you want to be prosperous after a biblical viewpoint, then what it is, is in the text, you have to give it up to the Lord. And I'm telling you today, if you give it up to the Lord, he'll work it out. When you read the text, it appears that Andrew somewhat discounted and dismissed and diminished what this young boy had. It wasn't much. It was basically two sardines and a few pieces of bread. Two sardines, five pieces of bread, small barley loaves. You know, two plus five equal what? Never cared to me, but his offering, his meal was perfectly imperfect. But he gave it to the Lord. Andrew said, it's not much. What is it among so many? It became a major note and a minor key, I'm telling you. And some of you today are sitting here, you're looking at me and you're thinking, what I have to offer is not much. We all have something. Sometimes the devil makes us think that what we have is not much. While it's true in one instance, it's not true in the other. Because what we have is never enough. But if you turn it over, I wish I had somebody here. If you turn it over to the Lord, he will work it out. Sometimes even our kids can make us feel guilty. Those who are struggling, single parents, even in two-parent households, sometimes our kids make us think we don't have enough. But I'm telling you, if you have Jesus, it's enough. And what we have in this text is a major note set in a minor key. If there's such a thing musically as a major note in a minor key, in any given chord, whether major or minor, if you're playing a major note, you can extend it to a minor. And if you're playing a minor note, you can extend it to a major. Y'all know how I think about stuff. And I said, now, that sounds to me like the gospel. Because the world looked to Jesus as a minor note. 
He grew up in an obscure village. Somebody said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? He never wrote a book, never had an office, never went to college, never traveled more than 200 miles from home. But I'm telling you, he chose 12. And at the end of his life, one lied on him. One betrayed him. And all of them forsook him. And he was sold for 33 pieces of silver. He was mocked by his enemies. He was crucified on a criminal's cross. I tell you, that sounds like minor to me. But there's a major note in a minor key because he came down through 42 generations and he died, he died on an old rugged cross. But I don't want you to leave you in a minor capacity. When he got through dying, they took him off the cross and put him in a borrowed tomb. But early Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hands. You know how major he is? The Bible says he's a major note in a minor key because one of these days every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. I tell you this morning, uh, he's major for me uh, because can't nobody uh, do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like the Lord. Uh, he's present. Uh, he's prudent. Uh, he's practical. Uh, he's profitable. Uh, he's productive. Uh, You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.